This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parsha Bar 5782, everybody. We're going to go toward the end of the parak. Toward the end of the parsha, I should say. Parak Chafhei, it's the end of the parak also. Parak Chafhei Pasig Lamid Tess. It says, If your brother becomes poor with you, among you, and he is sold to you. This means as a slave, as an evadivri. Do not treat him as a slave. Don't treat him as a regular slave. And obviously that refers to an evad kanani. Now I'm going to skip a little bit. That was in Pusik Lamid Tess. In Pusik Mem Gimel, it says, Do not treat him in a harsh manner. Don't give him hard work. You should be afraid of your God. Now these psukim are talking about somebody who's so poor, he had no choice. There was nothing else for him to do but sell himself as an avid. What else is he supposed to do, right? Which obviously is not supposed to be done unless a person absolutely needs to. That's what the Malvim talks about over here. It may have been done on his own. It could have been done through Bayesden. It could have been done because he stole something. It could have been done just because he needs money, right? We have no idea. But such a slave, an evid Ivri, cannot be treated as if he's not Jewish, as an evid Kanani would. A Jewish slave owner cannot make his Jewish slave do what he would normally ask a non-Jew to do. For example, a non-Jewish slave, an Ebekinani, you can ask him to carry his clothes behind him to a mikvah, as if he's a second-class citizen, right, carrying your clothes, carrying your shoes back to the mikvah itself, acting as a support, not in a good way, but in a way that seems like where one guy is ruling over the other person, or, for example, carrying him in a chair, you know, a little chair, putting him on and like going through, like what we do to Hassanim, right, at a wedding itself, or putting on his shoes, putting on and taking off his shoes. That's something that's relegated to slaves, Ebed Kanani, because that's a degrading job. It even is a raya that the person is a slave, because a normal person wouldn't do that for somebody else. I wouldn't do that for somebody else that's out there. Now, that's the idea behind it. Even if it's done in an honorable way, you can't ask him to do it. The only way that we could accept this is going to be if something else happens. And we'll talk about that as time goes on, etc. And it doesn't make a difference if the master is sick, if the master is old, if the slave really likes him. That doesn't make a difference whatsoever. However, the Ayelis HaShachar does talk about, Rishtayman talks about, can the slave accept upon himself to do it on his own? Where the master is like, no, 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 please, I don't want you to do it. And the Jewish slave, the Eved Ivri, says, no, I want to do it. I really want to do it. Let me do it. What's Dalach in that case? That's an interesting thing. What if the master pays him extra to do so? Is that going to be okay? It wouldn't be by his normal slave wages, which obviously you pay a price in the beginning. Let's say the guy says, if you do this for me, I'll pay you an extra $5 per day. What would be in that case? Okay, that's, that's a shy in and of itself. Victor Miller says, this is because we're on Mamlechus Kohenim. I think I've mentioned this idea five or six times throughout. He's a, we are Mamlechus Kohenim. Oh, Mazdov. Mazdov. There's a Mazdov over here. It's a baby girl. Very, very nice. So just like it's forbidden to ask a Kohen to do menial jobs for you. And by the way, that's not a simple thing. I believe you you're a Kohen, right? Yeah. He can't ask you to just go in and just say, like, hey, can you go grab a Coke for me? That's not something that I can do. If you get it on your own, that's a different story, but you can't can't ask a Kohen to do just a regular job. So too, if we're a Malachas Kohenim, you can't ask regular Jews to do menial jobs for us. No matter how poor or unfortunate he is, you can't do that. Right? That's the idea. And the reason why is because we have to allow everyone to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everyone has to be an Eved Hashem. A true Eved Hashem in that sense. And you can't allow, allow the slavery, the Eved Ivriness, take him away from that. The Aznai Torah says he's called Achicha. 
and he's called Evid. It's both. What's the difference between the two? He says, if you can treat him as a brother, right, you should treat him as a brother, right, I guess, and that's the way, and he treats himself as a slave. And that's the idea behind it. You have to treat him as if he's your brother working for you, somebody who's a little bit there, but that's the idea. And he says, like, it's unfortunate, but everybody nowadays is just the exact opposite. Well, slave owners are, you know, mecharif, and they, they abuse their slaves, while the slave says, nobody can tell me what to do. But that's the way it should be. It should be that the Evid Ivri has the idea of, oi, I can't believe I sold myself as a slave. The slave owner says, I can't treat this guy as a regular slave. I have to treat him better. The slave thinks, I don't deserve all this. That's the thought process that should be, according to the Torah, of how an Evid Ivri works. Now, specifically, the Rambam says, you can ask him, you're allowed to ask him, to cut your hair, wash your clothes, and bake bread for you. That you're allowed to do. But you cannot ask him to be a public barber, to be a public washer, or a public bread baker, unless... That is a job that he had before he sold himself as an Evid Ivry. If a, a guy was originally a baker and then sold himself as an Evid Ivry, then you could say, hey, can you do this job for me? Can you become a baker for the people, right, and work as that and give me the wages that you would make as a baker? But otherwise, you can't ask him to do that. Yeah, Paul. It seems, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with it. It's that when somebody is not a baker and you go to him and like, you, my slave, you're going to be a baker now. That's demeaning to the person. The guy's like, I've never baked before in my life. I don't want to be a public baker. That's when we say that's demeaning. You can't do so that. Correct. And for you, that's okay. If it's just for you. But the Rambam says, if you're making him a public baker where he can be embarrassed or he's going out in front of people and embarrassing himself because he doesn't know what he's doing, that's a different story and you cannot do that. You can't teach him a new job and expect him to do that job from then on. You can only allow him to continue to do the jobs that he once did before. Super interesting, right? I mean, it's really interesting owning an Evid Ivory, and even though we don't have it nowadays, the concept is all there. The Moshe of Zekanim says the same applies for a Talmud to a Rebbe. Unless everyone recognizes that this is a Talmud and this is a Rebbe, a Talmud cannot do that to a Rebbe. And you know why? Because people will think that the Talmud is the, stu- is the slave of the Rebbe. If the Talmud is going around holding his Rebbe's stuff as he's going to the mikvah, putting on his shoes, dressing the Rebbe, right, it'll make it look like the Talmud is a slave. Says Moshe Zakanim, you can't do that. You can do this out of love for one's parents, even for a Rebbe or even a friend, right, if it's a free man making a decision to do so. But you shouldn't do it publicly because people will get the wrong idea, and that might be considered like an evidence. Yeah, Ellie. No, I don't want you to carry my stuff for me from now on, okay? No, that's not what you're asking? No. Yeah. What, if, what happens if he makes bread for you, and it's really good bread, Right. He, after a while, he wants to make So that's a great call. Like, I, I, it's so funny. I, one of my sons, Ezzy, is really good at making potato kogel. So we kind of abuse that. And every time he comes home, he makes the potato kogel, and it's better than my wife's. And my wife knows this, right? It's, it's okay. My wife's potato kogel is absolutely unbelievable. But his potato kogel is unreal. Right? So we abuse that. We abuse that fact. When he comes back, we make sure. Sometimes we fly him in just to make a potato kugel and we send him right back out. We're like, we don't want you for Shabbos. We just wanted your kugel. Right? We're willing to do that. See, and something like that, if he enjoys it, that's a different story. If he says, I'd like to make it, I'd like to do it. And if he says, I'd like to do it publicly because I'm not embarrassed by it, that's a different story. Do you get what I'm saying? But if he's embarrassed by it, he's like, I don't know, I don't know. That's when you say, nope, you can't do it and wouldn't be allowed. The Bahor Shore says, however, you are allowed to make someone who's not acting properly, 
work harder. If the guy is a lazy slave, he's an Ebed Ivri, but he's lazy, he's acting bad. Now remember, the whole point of an Ebed Ivri is supposed to be rehabilitation. It's like our jail. We don't send people to jail because we know nobody gets rehabilitated in jail. Or, okay, I shouldn't say nobody. There are very few people that get rehabilitated in jail. But this is real rehabilitation. What do we do? We send the slave to a wealthy Jewish man who keeps the Torah. So therefore, you have to teach him how to act properly. If the guy is walking in, the evidence walks in, he's like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. You can't force me to do anything. You may have bought me as a slave, but I'm going to sit around. I'll do what I want when I want to do it. Then the master is allowed to force him to, to do work that he wouldn't normally do. That, the Bechor Shore says, only when he's your brother can you not treat him as a slave, as an Ebed Kanani. But if he's not your brother, that's a different story. That's why Rav Saorim, the brother of Rav Salah Hasida, used to grab people who weren't acting properly and made them pull the wagon of Rava, this Mbav Metziah, Samach So clearly it's allowed, because he just grabbed, can you imagine? He grabbed bums off the street. These guys were just sitting around, smoking, doing absolutely nothing. He's like, come here for a second. And then hitched them up to a wagon and said, run. <laughs> that's awesome. That is unbelievably awesome. Awesome, right? But that you're allowed to do, right? If the, you see somebody who's not acting kshura, that's something else over there. Only a slave do we say no, unless the slave is acting not kshura, right? Then we could say, because obviously it's a different story, he only sold himself because he has no money, and that's not fair. The shock says you might think that you can abuse your slave. Why? Since he did do something wrong, he either stole something, and that's why he was sold as a slave in the first place, or he sinned, and that caused him to become poor. After all, why is he poor? I'm assuming it's because he did something wrong and therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu took away all his money. Maybe you're allowed to punish him because of that, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. No, you can't abuse your slave. B'nai Yisrael are all connected to one another. Your job is to simply reconnect him, not to abuse him, not to give him the punishments he deserves, the Yisurin that he deserves. Your job is to work on the guy and to make him into a better person. Hopefully, you're able to do that. Okay, then he goes on, he goes on that an Eved that is with a, uh, with a Segel, Eved, is someone that's sold once to Milchapa for something he did wrong. Well, Oved, with a Komatz, is someone being sold forever. I, I did not go through to see if that makes sense within the context of all of Tanakh. Eved versus Oved, and Eved is a, you know, temporary, Oved is forever, I don't know. We make the bracha of Shalom Asani Eved. Uh, Oved, I'm sorry. Shalohasani Oved. We make that bracha Shalohasani Oved because we will never be sold as a permanent slave. But we might at some point become an Eved. So therefore we don't say Shalohasani Eved. We say Shalohasani Oved to say that we will never be an Oved. A Jewish man can never be in that category, although we could be an Eved. That's the concept behind it. So make sure that you say it that way. There's another concept here called a Vodas Parach. That's a different issue. Parach, it, that's the idea of lo sir da bo befarach. You might recognize that word. Where do you see that word, guys? Avodas parach, avodas parach, right? From Mitzrayim. We had it by Mitzrayim. That was the avoda that they did, as the Medrash says, befarach, with a soft mouth, where they convinced us to do it and then forced us into something which was really, really terrible. The Bechor Shor says this is repeated to warn you about this, to tell you it's a terrible thing, to really make the guy work super hard. What exactly does it mean by parach? What exactly does parach mean? So Rashi says it means forcing your slave to work something that is unnecessary. Remember, the first thing that we talked about was something that might be degrading him. This is something else entirely. I don't need it. 
I don't need it. So I go to a guy and I'm like, okay, Joe, let's say you're my, you're my slave, right? And I'm just like, I need you to do the following. I need you to run back and forth between the dining room and living room, right? I want you to pick up this plate, put it down over there, then take, up, take another plate from there and bring it down over here, and then go back and forth, back and forth 30 times, right? Totally unnecessary. There's no reason for that. Like in Mitzrayim, what did they do? They built Pisum and Ramses, even though Pisum and Ramses were falling down again and again and again and again, because it was being built on quicksand or, you know, stuff that wasn't able to do. Nonetheless, they made them do it again. It felt like they weren't doing anything. That's the first thing. When you do something like that, you're not allowed to tell your slave to heat up a drink if you don't need a hot, hot, hot drink, you really want a cold drink. You can't tell him to dig a hole under a bush when you don't need that hole under the bush itself. That's one thing Rashi says that you're not allowed to do. The other thing you're not allowed to do is you're not allowed to tell him, work until I get back. Do you hear what that means? Work until I get back. You're not giving him a time. You're saying, I want you to keep doing this. Peel potatoes until I get back. When are you coming back? Not telling you. Could be an hour, could be two hours, could be three hours, could be 20 minutes. That is called avodas parach. And why is it called avodas parach? Because you're not giving him a time. You're not telling him what you're going to do. So the Malbim says, again, that's two things. Unnecessary work and unlimited work. Those are the two things you're not allowed to do. The Rambam, the Ravid, and here called Perak Aleph, of Hilchas Avodim, talk about this. There they go on, etc. The Miyamalais adds that you can't do what the Egyptians did as well. You can't make a male work a female job and a female work a male job. Do you remember those cases we said above of like cooking, whatever it is? If you know that your male slave doesn't know how to sew and you force him to sew, even though he's going to mess it up and it's going to be really hard for him, that's us. That's something that you can't ask an everyday to do, etc. Reverse says you can't make him work just so he's worn out and his feelings are blunted so he doesn't feel anything anymore. He's like done. Emotionally, spoken, emotionally speaking, he's completely gone. That you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to do anything like that. Rash says in the end, maybe you'll think to yourself, who knows what I need or want? No one will find out that I'm making him do something unnecessary. Says Rashi, you've got to fear your God. You've got to be afraid of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, a Kaddish Baruch who knows he's there. Now, the Sefer Achinuch Mitzvah number 344 says the reason for this Mitzvah is that we should think that our nation is special. Remember what I said from Rabbi Victor Miller before, that we are Mamleches, Kohanim, Vigoy Kadosh? We should love one another as much as possible. It might be right now that this man is poor, but tomorrow maybe you're going to be poor. Maybe he's going to have to buy you. Maybe your children are going to have to be sold to his children. You have no idea what's going to be over here. You wouldn't want someone treating you that way or your children that way, and therefore you can't treat them that way as well. That's why you treat him with kindness, with mercy, right? To stay away from the meat of cruelty that receives brachos from above. Obviously, that's the right thing to do. And again, I want to make sure I, 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 that everybody understands what I'm saying here. It's not because it might be reciprocal. I'm not doing it because I might get hurt by him in the future. It's because this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. We don't act with cruelty toward other people. There was a Jew that approached Rebutz Zoberjian and said his wife was ready to hire a cleaning lady. Here was the problem. The guy knew his wife. His wife was one of, one of those she expected a certain job to be done. And if the job wasn't done to the T, she went crazy on the person. She would yell at everybody. She was so mocked on like a tiny, tiny little speck of dust, everything like that. So this lady was going to be hired. She was being hired by the, by the wife. So we went to review to Zilberstein and he asked the Shiloh. He said, should I go up to that woman and suggest that she doesn't take the job? Why? Because my wife is going to be over on the lav of lo sirdabo b'farech. She's going to treat her with horrible midos. She's going to push her to do things that I don't, you know, that she shouldn't be doing. And therefore, this is unnecessary. It's something that maybe you'll be over on. 
right? Should I, should I do that? Should I tell the woman, don't take the job, don't take the job? So what do you guys think? What do you think? What would you say in that case? No. Why not? Shalom Bayes. Shalom Bayes. She'll never find out. She'll never find out. Right, Paul? Your answer to everything. What? Romania, they, they mamish are hard workers. Mamish, like, that's unbelievable. There's a guy who works at Skokie Yeshiva right now, the guy at night in the main building. I've never seen a harder worker in my life. I've never seen it. Not Marco. You don't know. Juan. Very, very good. Marco's one thing. Marco's a guy who that guy, if there's a speck of dust on a window, that guy will be on it for four hours. Four hours. He'll be rubbing that window. But Juan, the guy is mamish. Like a, he works like crazy. I've never seen anything like it before. He's unbelievable. I don't think we've ever had, even like even when we had B.O., that was the name of the guy that was beforehand. But don't worry about him. He was named for a pleasant odor that came from him. Right? But either way, but I, even he, like he was okay. But like this guy is, is absolutely crazy. So here, I'll tell you. He told the man, you're right, Paul, but not for that reason. It's not for Shalom Bayes. <laughs> told him there's two reasons why it's absolutely wrong. Number one. She's not a shifcha kinanis. This isn't an issue of Eved Ivri. Lo sirda bo beforech applies to an Eved Ivri. If a woman decides to take a job and the job is work like a dog, then that's their prerogative. If that's your job, if that's what you accepted to do, then that's fine. Lo sirda bo beforech only applies to an Eved Ivri. It doesn't apply to a random person. That's number one. Number two, if a person decides they want to be working in a work that's forech, if they want that, then that's okay. That's not a problem. Remember, we said it's only an issue by an Eved Ivri. But if a guy decides, I want this as my job, there's no problem whatsoever. So if Yusuf Zobershin said, you don't have to say anything. And if the woman takes a job, also, she could quit at any time, right? An Eved Ivri can't quit. Right? She can't quit. And uh, he can't quit. An Ama Ivria, right, which anyway wouldn't apply because it's only under the age of 12 and a half, etc. Right? An Ama Ivria cannot quit. So that's a different story. Right? This woman could quit at any time. If the woman says, like, oh, you didn't clean that well. She's like, I'm out. I'm out. You can do that. Right? I remember I was one time working at before Emma's. It was, does anybody know what it was called before Emma's? Bagel Country. And I was 16 years old. I worked at Bagel Country. I worked behind the <laughs> counter, right? I was behind the counter and it was funny, right? I used to make pizza bagels and stuff like that, right? And I did that. So I, I used to, I, I was always like behind the counter. And then one day, I guess the person didn't show up. They're like, you need to clean the bathrooms. And I'm like, nope. And I said, no, 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 we don't have anybody else. We need you to clean the bathrooms. And I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I quit. I quit. I'm no Evan Avery. <laughs> I'm fine with getting up there. I'm like, I'm, I'm totally out. I'm not doing it. I'm not cleaning anyone's bathrooms, right? That's that. I told my wife the same thing. It didn't work the same way. You'd, you'd be shocked. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I just said, like, I'm, I'm, I just don't do bathrooms. She's like, yes, you do. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> I, I didn't have to quit my job before. I really could have kept it. Maybe I wouldn't be here right now. I'd still be, what do you mean? I'd still be working that. Shlomo, what are you going to ask? Right, right, if there's an issue, stuff like that. But he doesn't know the woman. He's not looking out. He's just saying, like, any person that would have been hired, he would have said something to them. He just doesn't want somebody working for his wife, which is super mean, right? But you hear what I'm saying? Like, he's not doing it for the betterment of that person. I I think that's a little bit different. I don't think so. Although, Hitler's Lashon Haram might apply over here. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's something like that. There are other issues, though. I will tell you like this. Remnis and Karelitz used to say when a woman who worked tirelessly to clean the house for Pesach. Now, it happens to be, I clean the house for Pesach. I'm very, again, except for bathrooms. I'm very into cleaning for Pesach. I spend four days, I go through the entire house. That's my job. My wife cooks really well. I clean really well. So that's my thing, and that's what I get into, right? So either way, so if your wife is the one who's been cleaning for Pesach, she's been going like crazy, and she's dead tired, and she's taking care of everything else and whatever it is, and you go home and you have a chumrah, and your chumrah is to clean out every safer, let's say. And that's a chumrah. 
right? The Chazanish is Chumrah to be able to check every safer to make sure there's no chametz in them. Right? And you say to your wife, I need you to clean out every safer. That might be an issue of Losir to Boba Farak. Now, again, she's not, it's not an Evan Ivri slash Ama Ivriya, so I get that, right? But it might be an issue of Losir to Boba Farak because that's that. He also suggested that when a person builds illegally, right, and is caught by the government, so he puts pressure on the right people and forces them to reconsider his argument by making protests and making it up, making it seem there's more than one person being affected. Those types of tactics, shadier tactics that might be around there, might be involved in this history. Again, it's not exactly a suitable Farah, but you can check it out yourself. Remnis and Karelitz does say that this might be an issue of Lil Sirdabal Farah in some way, shape, or form. Rav Sternbach says, this teaches us that if there are Bachrim that are hired by the yeshiva to clean up tables, you know, to clean up the sparring and put them away and stuff like that, it's not right to make a massive mess for them. It's just not right. Because you know that their job is, a simple job is to take sparring and put it up on the shelves. When you leave like little shavings or you tear up a little paper towel and you turn it into little tiny pieces that make a little pile, right? And then spread it around to make a little smiley face, right? He's not cool with that. And when you do that, that's a possibility. Again, even though he's not an every, it might be an issue of causing him to do something that he never expected to do. So if Nissan Corella says it might be part of the Isser, even though it's definitely not directly part of the Isser. Same way Rabbi Zilberstein said it's not. That's how Rav Sternbach says it as well. Where most Shapiro says you are over on this lab if you force your friend to do work for you for no reason whatsoever. I don't exactly know why Ramos Shapiro would have said such a thing. I don't get how that would fit into the Isser, either according to the Rambam or according to the way we see it in the Shulchan. But regardless, I get the idea. The idea is more of a Midos thing than it is a halacha thing, I think. And that's the concept that he's trying to say. Rav Yisrael Salanter, even though we all know that you're supposed to wash your hands with a whole cup of water, you know, you're supposed to go one cup, two cups, three cups, four cups. When uh, Rav Kolodetsky, Rav, uh, you know, Rav Chaim Knievsky's son-in-law, Rav Kolodetsky was, came to our house to be able to eat dinner. It was a huge schluss to be able to have it. So Rav Kolodetsky went to wash, wash Nitilzi Daim. Never seen it before in my life. Fills up the cup all the way, all the way. Poured the entire thing on his hand. Looked at his entire hand. He was like wiping it before and to make sure there was nothing on it. Then again, it was like a five-minute ordeal. And I was sitting there like, no. <laughs> I didn't do that. But I can totally understand. Like, Ravi Sraal would not do that. Why? Because every bit of water that he was using for his hands for Nintil Zidayim was coming from a Masharis, one of his servants, who was pulling the water from a well and bringing it up to him. He didn't have a sink. So somebody was bringing it in. So he didn't want his servants to have to do extra work. So he didn't go with the chumrah of washing your hands with a full cup of water when there's somebody out there. Listen, it's the same thing as well. Like maybe you know, there's, like when a guy, when there are certain balei tshuva who just become from and they find out about hilchos and hilchos and they find out about this, that there's a lot of bracha if you pour out your water. You should know, if there's 10 people behind you, the bigger bracha is to do netil as quicker. Right? That's the bigger bracha. I know there's a big bracha by pouring water in your hands, but you should always try your hardest to make sure that nobody's getting upset because of you. That's Eddie Rizzo's The Chavitz Chaim had a young girl who worked with his rebbitzin in the house, right, to make sure when they had guests, they always needed somebody around there. So the Chavitz Chaim told her, you know, this is a hard job. He, like, told her before, and similar to the story with the Zilberstein, so he went up to her and he said, you should know this is going to be a hard job. I have people coming over all the time. Sometimes it's going to be a lot harder than other times. Like, certain times it's going to be super hard, certain times it's going to be super easy. Right, but you should just know that's that. He also gave her a tip every Arab 
of Yom Kippur to make sure that she was mochel. He asked her if she was mochel and for anything that he might have done. Look, that's an unbelievable thing to do. But to be honest with you, I don't do that with my cleaning lady. Now, truth is, my cleaning lady isn't Jewish. But it's not like I sit there. I do, I am one of those people, and I'm, I'm sorry, guys, it's Yom, that cleans the house before the cleaning lady comes in. I do do that. I do. Why? My svara is not because I don't want her, I don't care what she thinks about my house, but rather I don't want her wasting time picking up my kids' toys when I want her scrubbing the walls. Do you get what I'm saying? Right? And I'm sitting there with a whip and saying, you better, you know, <laughs> like th- that concept, that idea of what you want somebody to do, everybody should try to be at least careful now, at least know that if you could try to ask for Mechila or try to be able to do something like that. The Sabo Mislav Budka used to have in his notes from Nassim Tzvi Finkel, the Nassim Tzvi Finkel before the Nassim Tzvi Finkel of the Mir, he said he was macabre upon himself to be very careful not to ask Bachram the Yeshiva to do anything for him because he knew they would do it. If he asked them, they were going to do it. So anything extra that he asked them to do, etc., they would go further. He was afraid of possibly coming on to this Isser, right? Coming on to this Isser. And again, as we said, it's not only by an Ebedivri, but in theory, Losir to Bovafara can apply in different ways. So that's the idea. The owner, this is a great story, the owner of a large factory in Eretz Israel approached Riv Zilberstein and said, I have a problem. They had a certain product that they made. I'm making this up. They made coats, right? And they used to sell to certain companies. Now, those companies decided to outsource to China. So they no longer were getting coats from this factory. So they were going to switch over. Instead of making coats, they were going to now switch over to something else. But they weren't ready. They didn't have the material for it. But meanwhile, they had the workers there. Now, the workers were people that were sewing all day long. That's a skill that if you don't do it every day, what's going to happen? They're going to lose that skill. So in order to keep up their skills, here's what the guy told his workers. I'm paying you. I'm going to pay you. Every day to stitch up a coat and undo the stitches. Stitch it up again and undo the stitches. Totally unnecessary. They weren't selling the coats to anybody and they were doing it on the same coat over and over and over again. So he went to Rabbi Yisrael and he said, am I over on Losir de Bobafarach because it's totally unnecessary? Is this something that I'm going to be over on? So Rabbi Yitzhak told him, Rabbi Yisrael told him, he doesn't think so. And you know why? Because the truth is, although you know, obviously this is the definition of work that's unnecessary, it's possible that the only reason why you're doing it is to keep up their skills so they're able to do it later on. In that sense, you're doing the right thing. You're keeping those people in the right mode and what they're supposed to do, and therefore that's not Losir Bafarak. You have a purpose for doing so. If you have a purpose for doing so, then it's okay. Isn't that interesting? Right? An interesting little thing, either way. Regardless, that, that's the idea behind it. Now, the Chassam Sofer says, why would you do this and weaken your slave for no reason? Why is a guy getting up? Why is he being sadistic? Right? And saying to his slave, I want you to do something that I don't need you to do. I just feel like you doing it. And do something that's totally unnecessary. Why would you do it? So maybe the master knows leaving in the seventh year is like Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. You know, a slave and everybody reworks for six years and then leaves in the seventh year. Maybe he knows that's supposed to be like Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. So maybe he thinks I should make him work like it's Mitzrayim. So he feels like when he leaves, it's Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. So he decides, like, I'm going to make it super hard so he'll want to work. I'll make it back-breaking labor so he'll want to work, right? That way, he'll never want to stay. I'm doing it for a reason. I don't want him to become a nirza. Remember, a nirza is the guy that wants to stay, so they bore a hole right in the middle of his ear. Remember, it's not in the ear lobe. It's like right in the middle of the ear, right there, right, to be able to go through. It's actually three different opinions where it is, the top, the middle, or right in the middle, right, between those three, right? It's right over there, and that's that. You think it's any different if they cut this part? I, Mamish, don't have any idea how women do this, or men, the weird men, right? To be able to get that. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't, I've never tried. You know, I don't think I'm going to. I have absolutely no idea. 
But regardless, it holds him back. I guess the idea, and the Pesach is saying, that's considered Hasidus of Shtus. Don't get involved in that. Do not make him do all stuff like that, and that's that. There's a real calf over here in a Sefer Achinoch, etc. But let's go to the next part over here. Rashi says that the words, Ki avadai heim, they are my slaves, says the Kaddish Baruch, who is my star came first. They all really belong to me. My star came first. The Chidush Rim explains that Yisrael is a Kenyan Echad of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we say in Perkei The Sultan wanted to collect the Shtar Chov from them. They sinned. So the Sultan wanted to collect the Shtar Chov and punish them for what they did. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, My Shtar Chov comes first. My Shtar Chov comes first. So everybody see the idea over here? Rashi saying that the Sultan wants to get involved. This is how the Chidush Rim explains it. The Sultan wants to grab us away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Hashem says, I'm first. They're my slaves. We're our, we are the servants of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Ibn Ezra says HaKadosh Baruch Hu bought us from the house of slavery. We're mamish gods. We literally belong to God. The Rabbi Yol says it's hinted in the words, the Rashi Tevis and the Sophie Tevis of the words, Lo sir dabo bifarech. Lo sir dabo is alaf vav. Bifarech, the first letter is bez. I know, I, I, three Sophie Tevis and one Rashi Tevis. We're getting into like Benny Shchai territory. I, I apologize. But the Rabbini Yol, he says that's Ava, that he's beloved by a Kurdish Baruch Hu, and therefore you shouldn't make him work so hard. As we said before, right? We're all Jews. We're all Mamlachas Konim. We're all part of the same system. Rashi explains that Mim Karas Evid is even an announcement, putting him up on the slave block, you know, selling him publicly. That you're not allowed to do. But then we go a little further. You know, based on that Rashi and the way the Chidusha Rim explained it, that it's referring to the Sutton trying to take us away. The Shach says that Achicha in this Pasuk, when your brother becomes poor, is a reference to Esav buying Bnei Yisrael. When Bnei Yisrael sin, Esav tries to buy us. The Satan, the Malach of Esav, who's the Satan, the Malach of etc., is trying to buy us. When Bnei Yisrael sin, they go down. Right, etc. Right, which we said, Mom just said in Yecheskel yesterday. But when things go down, they go up. When Bnei Yisrael goes down, Esav's able to rule over us. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, even though Esav, you're in charge, you cannot take advantage of them. They're mine, not yours. I came first, and then you. Only I have the right to, to treat them badly, not you. You can rule over them but you can't treat them badly. That's what Akash Baruch was telling Esau, that's what he's telling them to do. The Torah Moore says the exact same thing. When the Nei is in the hands of Esau, they're warned not to make the Gullus any harder than it already is. They're going to be in Gullus. Akash Baruch sent us into Gullus. said, fine, let them be in Gullus. And that's it. They'll be there, not forever, up until HaKadosh Baruch Hu finds a time to redeem us. And then Hashem will take revenge against those who treated us really badly. That point is what we call Yovel. When Yovel comes, the slave goes free. And so too over here, guys. When the time comes, then we're out of the hands of Esau. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Esau, don't treat them that way. Do not treat them away. Don't let it be that way. Now the Orachim HaKadosh beautifully says this all refers to a Zohar. I didn't see the Zohar in this Pasuk, but he says that it refers to a Zohar that HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked the Sam, again, the Malach of Esau, the Satan, the Malach of right, to not act cruelly with Bnei Yisrael. Same idea as the Shach, same idea as the Torah Mor, same idea as really the Chidush Rim says is hinted to in Rashi. It's all the same basic idea. As we said up above, Esau and Yaakov are the brothers. Yaakov became destitute from sins. Things went wrong. He followed in his brother's ways, in Esau's ways, and the Satan bought him, took Klal Yisrael as a whole, and went through, etc. And in fact, 
what it says over here is that when they do take them, that when paying taxes, you should not allow the Talmidei Chachamim to pay those taxes, like we just saw today in Ezra, right? That was what we just saw in Parag Zion, right? That there's no such thing. You can't allow the Talmidei Chachamim, the people that are important, to be able to pay those taxes, and that's the idea. And in the end, there will be a Yovel B'nai Israel go free. So there's the idea. He says, in the end, says the Orachim HaKadosh, the whole purpose of that Galus, why were we there in the first place? Why am I sitting here in Chicago? It's to be Mavarer Nitzotzos. And maybe you've heard that line from me before. What it means is to clarify the sparks of Kedusha that are in the world. Find them, identify them, bring them out from the Tumah that surrounds them, from the Klipa that surrounds them, and bring them in for us. Allow it to become something that's Kadosh. As we see throughout America, taking products that are not kosher and turning it into something kosher. Making a bracha on food that otherwise I never would have been able to make. All of that is the ability to do something. When other Mauritians sinned and all those sparks of Kedusha were gone and we had no idea what to do with ourselves, bringing it in is our purpose in Gullahs and what we're trying to do. And that's what it means in Pasuk Memalach. The Yatsam Emach Veshov El Mishpachto. It should return to his family. The sparks of Kedusha should come back to us so that we have everything we need. Of course, had we not sinned, we never would have had that. The Biranitzotzis never would have been necessary. But now that it did, we now have the ability, like a magnet, to pull as much Kedusha to ourselves as possible. And that's the idea. Meeting people, greeting people, making a Kiddush Hashem, allowing things to happen in some way, shape, or form that wouldn't have, been happened, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Now that we sinned, we required Gullus, the opportunity is to grab that Kedusha whenever necessary, whenever possible. So if you're at work, you make a Kiddush Hashem. When you're standing around people that you wouldn't have seen otherwise, you make that Kiddush Hashem. You make brachos, when it's necessary. You make brachachronas. Oh, how many times do we have to say that? When necessary. To be able to make sure. But because the Sam did not treat us well and treated us like garbage and threw us down and obviously threw out with pogroms and holocausts and inquisitions and massacres and crusades, etc. Because of that, this is the reason. They did that avodas parach that will cause him to be chayiv misa lasud lavo. He was warned. He didn't listen. And this is the entire meaning behind the Gemara in Sukkah. I'm that Nun Bezam at Aleph. You've seen that Gemara, the unbelievable Gemara that talks about the stuff and what's going to happen last level. That's a refers to. I'm going to do one last thing, guys, but I'm going to do it super quick, okay? And it's actually a brisker of the Grizz. It's not an easy thing to do. He says in this passage, there's a Gemara in Yavama stuff, Mem Vavam at Aleph, which says, we're allowed to buy non Jews as slaves. You're allowed to buy them as slaves, but they're not allowed to buy us as slaves. And we learn it from this Pasuk. Lo Yimkuru Mimkaras Oved in Pasuk Mem Bez. They can't buy us, but we can buy them. We are Mufka from the Din of Avadim altogether. We're already slaves to Akadosh Baruch, who already previously owned, and you can't buy a slave off another person unless that person sells them, and Akadosh Baruch is not selling. Now we understand the Gemara Pesachim Kukta Zayinu and Alf. The Gemara says we have to be Matzchol Begnus or Messiah Bishvach. We all know that from the Seder, right? It's one of the three things we need for Magid. It's Derech Shaila You got to say Pesach Matzamar. It's Matzchol Begnus. You start off low or Messiah Bishvach. We end off high. That's something that we need to know for Agada itself, for Magid itself. The Shvach is not just removing the Gnus from us and saying we're no longer slaves. It's not, that's not Shvach. Shvach is not getting rid of the degradation of being slaves. Shvach is a praise. What's the praise? The gift that we left Mitzrayim, an even bigger Shvach, is that we're now Avdei Hashem. 
we are the servants of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That praise is that no one will ever be able to buy us again. It's at Moscow Beginos. Can you imagine? We were slaves in Mitzrayim. We were owned by the Egyptians. We did everything they had to do. And Messiah Bishvach, that will never happen again. Because we are Avde Hashem, and we will no longer belong to anybody else. Not just getting rid of the Genus. Do you get what I'm saying? Not just getting rid of the slavery and making us free. It's not just that. It's that we are now Avde Hashem. We have the biggest Shvach that we have ever. And that's what we're saying at Marav. We're about to say this. God is taking us out for freedom forever. Do you hear that? Because even if we're going to be in Eved at some point, remember how we said it, the Eved with the Segel, we will never be in Oved ever again. Shalom, Asani, Oved. I will never be in Oved. Not only were we taken away from being slaves to Paro, we are now free forever. That's the Cheir Zolom. Then again, it's not a proof. It's not a proof. It could be that this means the nation as a whole won't be slaves again, but individuals can be. But I think that's part of this whole idea. We will never again be an Oved. We will never have a nation of Avodim. We will have possible an Eved here or there that needs to happen. But even then, it's temporary. It will never be forever. We are always in the hands of a Kaddish Baruch. What a bracha, right? Isn't that an unbelievable bracha? And if we, that's true, then we should treat everybody else the exact same way as well. We should never sit there and say to ourselves, you know what? I'm going to treat somebody. We know how we want to be treated. That's the way we treat other people. That's the way it should be, guys. All right, we're going to stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbos.